Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Pac-12 Podcast on the Locked On Sports Podcast Network, your team every day. In this case, your conference, the Conference of Champions. I'm your host, Emily Van Buskirk, and it is Wednesday, middle of the week, which usually means it's a mixed bag for the podcast. It could be somebody from Utah. It could be somebody coming on to talk about Cal Stanford. You never really know. But this week, um, last night, the first college football playoff rankings were released, and there are two Pac-12 teams high in the running. I shouldn't say high, but in the running um, for the playoffs. So we're definitely going to... Uh, break that down and look at those standings from a national perspective, but also what it means for the Pac-12 and the rest of the season. And I have a very special guest joining us today um, to talk about football in LA. His name is Arash Markazi, and he used to be with ESPN. Now he is living out his dream as a columnist for the LA Times. You've probably seen him on a show somewhere or, you know, on TV or the radio. I mean, he's been everywhere and he is a dear friend and he's going to talk about, you know, USC and UCLA and what it's been like covering sports in LA this season. As always, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, anywhere and everywhere. Please Subscribe and download and rate and review. Let me know what we can be doing better. Throw me some stars. If you like what you hear, that would be awesome. It's always helpful and beneficial for the betterment of the podcast. And make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at LO underscore PAC12 and join in the conversation there. I'm generally trying to tweet out tidbits from the conference throughout the week, keep you guys posted on things going on, and voice my opinions. You can also follow my personal handle at MLM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M, on Twitter and start a college football convo with me literally any time of the day or night. I am always game to talk about football or really any sports. So you can get me on on anything. Um, So yeah, that's going to do it for the housekeeping. Let's jump into some Pac-12 tidbits. One of the things that I like about um, Wednesday is that I get to share with you some of the Pac-12 morsels that the conference feeds us on Tuesday. They call it This Week in Pac-12. And usually, you know, it's pretty straightforward stuff. Um, This time they announced some awards, semifinalists, um, different things going on with players like that. Um, They talk about the rankings a lot. And then they have some interesting, you know, little pieces of information. And, you know, I'm a big stat person, so I love stats, but I also love fun facts. Those are one of my favorite things um, to talk about. I I love tweeting them and I love talking about them. So I'm going to start the podcast um, now talking about a few Pac-12 morsels. We will then get into the interview with Arash Markazi. And to wrap things up, we will talk about the college football playoff rankings because I know that's high on everyone's list and I'll give my two cents on it and we'll look at what it all means. Um, of course, it's the first one, so we have a little ways to go and a lot will change in the next couple of weeks, but it's it's a good jumping off point. So first of all, I want to, for those of you Pac-12 fans that are listening, I want to talk about this statement. The home team in the Pac-12 is 17 and 17 in Pac-12 play. Only Oregon and Utah remain undefeated at home in conference play, each with 3-0 records versus Pac-12 foes. So what does this mean? The home team 
wins 50% of the time, that's interesting because usually a home stadium is a big advantage, but the only places that seem to be formidable are Oregon and Utah, which we know. I'm surprised Washington's not more on that list. I'm a little surprised Arizona State is, you know, not on that list of teams that remain undefeated at home, but I thought that was kind of interesting, um, Not all, although not very surprising. Um, this is another fun fact. Through nine weeks, five Pac-12 quarterbacks are among the 28 FBS quarterbacks who have completed at least 65% of their pass attempts this season, and there's a minimum of 15 passes per game played in, and have to have played in 75% of the team's games. Those are just to qualify for this stat. And the Pac-12 boasts more than any other conference. Those five quarterbacks have combined to complete 970 of 1,402 passes. That's a 69.2 completion percentage for 11,964 yards, 103 touchdowns, and only 25 interceptions. So, you know, pretty good quarterbacking going on in the Conference of Champions. Um, Another good note, 17 FBS quarterbacks have thrown two or fewer interceptions this season. Of those 17, five of them are in the Pac-12. Oregon State quarterback Jake Luton, only one interception and 255 pass attempts, which is the most pass attempts by any FBS quarterback with just one interception, by the way. You know we give Jake Luton a lot of love. Um, And we're going to talk more about Oregon State tomorrow with my podcast guest on Thursday. So stay tuned. Another one of those quarterbacks is Utah quarterback Tyler Huntley. He's only thrown one interception and 191 pass attempts. And then making his way up there, Stanford junior quarterback Davis Mills. uh, Only one interception and 110 attempts. um, Significantly less, but still good. Senior quarterback Justin Herbert from Oregon has only thrown two interceptions in 288 pass attempts. And... The young gun, Arizona State freshman quarterback Jaden Daniels, only two interceptions in 223 attempts. Very bright future moving forward for um, for that, that young guy at Arizona State. Due to injuries, Pac-12 teams have combined to start 20 different quarterbacks this season. The Pac-12 also saw 20 different quarterbacks start during the 2018 season. Not only has the Pac-12 started 20 different quarterbacks, but nine have made their first ever FBS start. And we talked about that a lot on the podcast in the beginning. You know, there were so many injuries this season for for so many teams that it's it's crazy that people have found their way. But it's also kind of, of course, you don't want players to be injured, but it's kind of neat to see some of these young guys or even guys that had never seen playing time just step in and, and, and have to thrive. So... Um, that part of it's kind of exciting. And then, you know, we've got freshman starters, which is something that goes along with the injury um, factor. Freshman starters have been quite common around the Pac-12, as 11 of the 12 teams have each started at least three freshmen. Among all FBS teams, the Pac-12 has five of the top 16 teams in terms of true freshman starters this season. Alabama has nine. Um Seven, Fresno State, UMass, Stanford, Tennessee, and Texas A&M. And then six, um, Colorado State, USC has five, Akron, Arizona, Arizona State, Arkansas, Colorado, TCU, UTSA, and West Virginia all have six um, true freshman starters. So kind of an interesting little um, piece of information there. 
And I think one of the other things I wanted to mention, Oregon has won eight in a row and eight consecutive conference games. So that's a little streak they have going. UCLA has rushed for 200 or more yards in its last five straight games. So a little fun fact about UCLA um, there. And I think Oregon State has won three straight conference road games for the first time since 2013, which... Very interesting, I think, because Oregon State is on. It seems like they've got it together. They're on the up and up. It's funny because John Canizaro tweeted something about, besides Oregon and Utah, who do you think the third best team in the conference is? And I tweeted, you know, I quoted it and said, I think it's Oregon State or UCLA because they're both peaking and doing well right now. Now, that's just speaking at this moment in time. Obviously, next week and the week after could be someone completely different. But to me, those are the teams that look the most cohesive and um, dangerous after, you know, Oregon and Utah. So, um, but who do you guys think, you know, would be number three after Oregon and Utah as best teams in the Pac-12? Please tweet me your response and let me know what you think. That's going to do it for the tidbits part of this podcast, and I'm very excited to talk with Arash Markazi about the state of the union of college football in LA. He has some very interesting things to say about the USC coaching search that we all know is probably going to be on. Poor Clay Helton. But I, it's interesting to, to hear um, Arash's point of view, so you're going to be surprised at who he thinks... Uh, might be the next head coach and why. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, guys, I have a very special, special treat interview guest today. He is the sports columnist at the LA Times. He is a former senior writer at ESPN and Sports Illustrated. He is one of the best wine drinkers I know. And anytime I'm at an event and he's there, it is surely to be a good time. One of my favorite people in the sports industry. His name is Arash Markazi, and he is coming on right now to talk about USC football, UCLA football, the state of college football in LA, and his favorite. LA sports. So I think he wants to dive right in. Let's hear it. They want the big name guy, but they never <laughs> do. Like I, I, I think back to like Pete Carroll, like he was like their fifth choice. So, yeah. you know, I would be shocked if they brought in someone like it, Urban Meyer for a variety of reasons. But, but I just think generally, again, and this is like UCLA hoops as well. Like you always think of these big name people but they always end up with their third choice or something and I, and I don't know why that is but historically speaking uh, as great as USC football UCLA hoops there's something about those programs that they don't get like the really big name hire right I don't know why that is yeah. do you think that maybe it's more 
Um, and we we're started. We're going now. Like that was the best introduction to. I didn't even. I'm going to introduce you, obviously, but like we're we're off to the races already. Um, All right. I'm curious if you think that USC sometimes issues the right fit for kind of what they feel the right fit should be, like the idea of a good coach or a good name as opposed to someone that really can integrate themselves into the program because we've seen them cycle through several, you know, name coaches and we thought Clay Helton was the guy, right? But it looks like maybe not. Well, you know, the problem that they had for a while was they wanted to recreate what Pete Carroll did. So for a while there, you saw them bring back Lane Kiffin and right. Steve Sarkeesian, and it's because they wanted to recreate what Pete had done. And so, but you, you have to go back to the hiring of Pete Carroll, who was not their top choice, maybe not even in their top three, and they, they just kind of got lucky there. Um, Clay Elton, I got to be honest, I, I never felt was the right fit. Now, mm-hmm. he was a calming force he uh when you look back at how uh you know like all the turmoil right. that had uh been in place because of kiffin and sarkeesian he was really a great coach for that time because he was a calming uh figure right. calming presence but i never felt like that this is like a national championship coach and so uh certainly listen if they had a president in place he wouldn't have been the coach this season mm-hmm. like when you look at what they did the last season he should have not come back and so um you know listen I, and i thought that there's no chance that he was gonna um come back regardless of what they did but then when you look at what they were what they did uh at home uh you know, you, you cannot lose by whatever, 30, 40 points. That, that's, that's just not acceptable. So, right. again, I, I hope they let him finish out the season. I think he has uh, been a, a good coach for this program, but uh, will likely not continue to be the coach. <laughs> Unfortunately. Unfortunately for he, him, right? He's yeah. a nice guy. That was always what people Thank say you. about him. <laughs> Which is, I think is always hard because it's sort of like, when uh, someone is going to say, oh, he's a nice guy, but, you know, yeah. like, he is. He's a fantastic <laughs> guy. If he was recruiting my uh, son, I would want him to play for a guy like a guy. Right. Listen, I don't think Clay's going to be out of a job for long. I think he is a good um, offensive uh, coordinator, right. coach, quarterback coach, whatnot. I mean, I think he will be coaching somewhere, maybe not as a head coach, but yeah. – uh, Again, I mean, it's, it's just a, it's going to be it's going to be tough um, just in general when you have a new president, new athletic director, they want to bring in their own c- coach. Yeah, that's fair. And so, OK, so we we see what's going on with USC. It's kind of a, a mixed bag over there because they do have wins like the big one over Utah, you know, and things that have gone well for them. But then they have this game where they get completely exposed with Oregon. But let's look at the other side of L.A. Over in Westwood, UCLA is quietly putting together a solid second half of the season, three straight wins. Do you think that Chip Kelly has finally figured it out over there? Well, you would hope, and and it's been a really shocking turn of events. I think if you would have told anyone at the beginning of the season, I mean, especially after they had kind of lost to Cincinnati and uh, San Diego State, um, you know, I thought maybe they might only win a couple games. So this has been really great for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always thought that he, would, at some point, was going to figure th- things out. Now, I don't know if he has 
uh, you know, but at, at the very least, they are a relevant program again. I mean, it was tough to look into the stands at the at the Rose Bowl, mm-hmm. and you got 30,000 people there. I mean, that's <laughs> ridiculous. So, yeah. you know, uh, hopefully they have, and hopefully, you know, going into that uh, USC-UCLA game, that that'll mean something for one of those, you know, teams if they can find a way to sneak into that Pac-12 championship game. But, um yeah, I mean, listen, when, when you saw at the beginning of the season when they're losing and no one's showing up to games, yeah, there was a question of, you know, is Chip Kelly going to come back? I mean, when you look at what they paid to bring him there and all the hoopla surrounding that, um, that, that would have been crazy if they did not give him some time. And so now they, they, they've allowed him to kind of, We'll see if turn things around, but uh, again, that, that 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 is good to see. Yeah, it really is, and. I, again, I like Chip Kelly. I've never, people, you know, talk about him being difficult and him not being media friendly, yeah. but in all my experience, I mean, he just is who he is, you know, and you kind of got to yeah. let that go and let it run its course. And if you don't, like you said, give him time and leeway, then he's not going to be able to bring that kind of football genius that he has. So I, I'm glad to see him doing well. I love DTR, the quarterback there. He came to yeah. Stanford and just obliterated Stanford. It was like painful to watch. <laughs> You know, the problem for UCLA football is, I mean, and this is, it's not going to change, but for them, it's never going to be a football school. They mm-hmm. play at the Rose Bowl. It's not on campus. It's in Pasadena. Um, you know, so it's, it's one of those programs that, like, every now and again, they're, they're, they're going to have a good season. It's a little bit like USC hoops where it's like, all right, like if, if, if you're in Southern California and you want to play college football and you want to stay close to home, you're going to go to USC. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I, I guess there's no home field advantage that they have. And so uh, when, when they brought in chip, I was excited because I thought maybe they're going to run the same system and, mm-hmm. and kind of be this high powered offense. Wasn't the case, but again, hopefully they've turned things around because I think it's fun when both teams are, are good. Yeah, it, it is. It gives that rivalry renewed, you know, meaning yeah. and, and gives people a reason to do that. And it's also tough. We face the same problems here in the Bay Area. Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, there's so many things you could be doing in LA besides going yeah. to a half empty stadium. I mean, you can go to yeah. the water, you can go to professional basketball. Which brings me to my question for you, as the sports columnist at the LA Times now, you're covering a wide range of sports, and you always have, but now you're doing it in LA. What is your favorite LA sport to cover currently? Probably the NBA, when you just look at sort of, it's the center of the NBA world right now with mm-hmm. the Lakers and the Clippers and four of the top 10 players in the league. It's a it's a fun time. And for the first time, both teams are actually championship contenders. I mean, the, 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 usually the Lakers are good and the Clippers are bad or the Clippers are good and the Lakers are bad. <laughs> yeah. They've never both been this good at the same time. And according to Vegas, those are like the top two teams in the league. So that's been fun. We're dreaming about this possible hallway series where they would both play each other in the playoffs. So um, again, they played each other the first game of the season. The rematch is on Christmas Day. So that'll be a, a lot of fun. Yeah, that does sound fun. I'm honestly glad because I am tired of the Warriors mania. And I'm like, you guys can have it now because I can't, I can't deal with it anymore. Now that we've got a bunch of guys, people, no one's heard of, it's like, no one talks about the Warriors anymore. (laughs) 
Yeah, well, they move into this new beautiful <laughs> yeah. facility it's in San Francisco, and then they get like the worst team in the league. Officer. I know it's well. You know what? That's that's what happens when you go up to the top and you try and you know fly too close to the sun. Sometimes <laughs> you come back down to that's earth. <laughs> there you go. I'm taking my dad to the Chase Center next uh, next month, so I'm excited to. Nice. Yeah, it looks really fun. Well, thank you yeah. so much for coming on and, and breaking down that. LA football mindset. Um, we'll have to link up soon. I would love that. Anytime I see you, it means we're at a big event <laughs> together. We're drinking wine, yep. we're having a good time. I was so, going to yeah. tell everybody that you're pretty much the best sommelier I've ever, amateur sommelier <laughs> I've ever been around. <laughs> I love that. It's you. awesome. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Just go to getroman.com slash locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. I literally love talking to Arash. I could sit there and chat with him all day, catching up, because we don't get to talk as much as we used to. He's so busy being the best at what he does. Um, But it was very interesting to hear what he had to say about USC and not ever really thinking Helton was the right fit, you know, and how they go about their coaching searches that has been the reason behind maybe their lack of success. And then hearing him talk about UCLA and and his faith in Chip Kelly and what the program's going to do there, but the struggles they have to fill the stadium, which is something Southern California and Northern California have that in common. And I don't think enough people talk about that because we're always at war with them. But... It's very interesting. I love getting his perspective, and he's so dialed into that LA scene. It's it's inspirational. But um, make sure you follow him on Twitter if you don't. I'm sure most of you already do, but he is such a fun follow. He's always doing cool stuff. I highly recommend his Instagram too because he's always somewhere cool doing something with somebody fun. And whether you're an NBA fan, a football fan, whatever it is, he's he's always got his fingers into every you know pulse of sports media so it's definitely worth getting there and and checking him out so thank you Arash for coming on I'm going to put his handles in the show notes so that you guys can see them now what you have all been waiting for I'm assuming because this is such a big to do is the first edition of the college football playoff rankings now we all know, I mean, those of you that didn't see them, I guess I'll recap it, the, the top six at least. Well, I guess we're going to do the top eight because <laughs> we need to. But Ohio State, 8-0 team, came in at number one. LSU, also 8-0, came in at number two. Alabama, also 8-0, came in at number three. Penn State, 8-0, rounds out the top four. Then you've got Clemson at five, also 8-0, undefeated. Uh, Georgia at six, seven and one. Oregon at seven it, it, with a eight and one record, and Utah at eight with an eight and one record. Now, why why were Oregon and Utah behind Georgia? Because I guess the committee thinks that they are the best of the one loss teams, which I don't know that I could find an argument against. Um, I was a little surprised to see. Ohio State um, in the number one spot over LSU. 
Um, I really thought that perhaps we would see, you know, given the success of Joe Burrow and the program, that we would see them there. Um, but they rank top five in both offense and defense, um, statistically, you know, in the nation. Uh, they have three guys that are that we keep being reminded that are Heisman Trophy worthy people, and I guess the committee sees the the lack of faltering after you know Urban Meyer's departure. So the program seems to be flourishing rather than you know missing a beat. Which I guess there you go. So Ohio State, LSU, big wins over number ten Florida, number eleven Auburn. Um, so they have a good good resume and and clearly these teams are eye test proof you know and that's really what I think we have to believe the committee puts a lot of stock into is that eye test um number three Alabama I'm not I I guess I'm surprised that they were down there um but this weekend when they play LSU, I mean, that's the thing about this list is, is so much is going to change in the next couple of weeks. So it's really hard to even sit here and kind of pick it apart because knowing it's going to be different next week, LSU, Alabama showing, you know, having a showdown, something's going to change and someone's going to drop. So um, we'll just wait for that. Penn State, solid resume, wins over Michigan, over Iowa. They have to play Ohio State the Saturday before Thanksgiving. So that's going to be their real test if they can hang on. But but solid, you know, hanging in there at number four. Now, the biggest, I think, thing that made people upset was Clemson being at number five. I think this was an interesting place to put them, and it's definitely going to put, you know, ACC fans on blast. They're going to be retaliating with this. Um, but Clemson's in their own driver's seat. They They've played well, and they they honestly will stay undefeated if they win out, and they have the ability to do that. So that's a big card in their pocket. Um, as these other teams have to play each other, Clemson kind of has this ability to get through it um, without being too crazy. But the biggest winner of the night unanimously was the Pac-12, and that's because Oregon and Utah are in this great 7-8 spot where if they can just win out, which they prop one of them will because – Obviously, they're, they'll be. I think they're going to be in the Pac-12 championship game, and that team will win out. the The back half of their schedules are far easier than the front half, so they've kind of been through the worst of it. Um, and you know, there's the teams ahead of them. Three losses are guaranteed coming between the teams currently ranked at one and six. So you look at that turmoil in those top teams, and you look at if Oregon or Utah wins out. They are in a prime position for a spot at the table because they're ranked ahead of Oklahoma and they have, they're just like sitting really pretty. I don't think we could have asked for a better place for the Pac 12 to be. Um, And it's funny because on the reverse side of that, the Big 12, I feel like, got really, really screwed. Baylor will have to win out, you know, but that, I don't know that they can do that. and Oklahoma obviously would need to win out, but that would mean beating Baylor twice. So they're in a in a predicament there, and it's kind of nice for once as a Pac-12 fan to sit here and not have to worry about all the drama and the turmoil like these other conferences do. So I think it was a very good best-case scenario for, um, for the Pac-12. You've got Oregon and Utah both in prime position and both able to run the table if – 
they so choose. And I think the committee is going to have an extremely hard time keeping one of them out if they win out. Um, Oregon's got, you know, that close game. Their only loss would be to Auburn, which is a good team, clearly. And they, they played them well. So that eye test right there is impressive. And and Utah hasn't, I mean, aside from the USC loss, which I don't, I'm not sure how you explain that away because USC is clearly not who we thought they were, but it was an away game in, in a very volatile Southern, you know, part of the conference. So um, that's going to, they just need, the, the wins for Oregon and Utah now need to be impressive. There need to be not any close games. They need to be substantial victories over every opponent they face. And then I can't wait for the Pac-12 championship. It's going to be phenomenal um, if it all shakes out this way. Very, very excited for that at Levi Stadium. So Pretty good day for college football and the Pac-12 in general. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Pac-12 podcast. Make sure you subscribe and download the episodes wherever you listen, rate and review the podcast, and follow it on Twitter at LO underscore Pac-12, and follow me on Twitter at MLNEM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M. We're going to have some big Oregon State talk on Thursday with a new guest who's very knowledgeable. She's awesome. She's going to chat with us about the Beaver season and what, if anything, the ceiling could be for this team this year. And then Friday is going to be the breakdown of all the games. My favorite day, the preview for the weekend. We'll stay tuned for that. So as always, like I just said, stay tuned, stay sassy, and stay locked on Pac-12. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.